people are sparking more large wildfires across the West. But pinpointing exactly how they start has been a mystery in Colorado. Was it a campfire? A stray bullet? Arson? And especially if you have loss of life, oh yeah, that's a serious crime. There needs to be consequences and people held accountable for that. Some of the biggest fires in Colorado, Cameron Peak, Pine Gulch, East Troublesome, have cost lives and caused millions of dollars in damage. But without knowing how they started exactly, Coloradans can't change policies to try to prevent new ones. And no one does get held accountable. I'm Rachel Estabrook, and this is Colorado In-Depth. It's a new podcast featuring special reporting from CPR News. On today's episode, we hear an investigation from CPR reporters Ben Marcus and Veronica Penny. Ben will explain what they found when they analyzed 18 years of federal wildfire data and talked to nearly 100 people to understand the real-world consequences of not being able to pinpoint how fires start in the age of climate change. Ben, take it away. Colton McDonald's trips into the Colorado backcountry are less about adventure and more about solitude. I have, for a couple of years been really delving into backpacking, just hiking as much as I can, really fell in love with the mountains. On August 13th, 2020, a scorching hot and dry day, he ventured out of his home in the suburbs of Loveland for what was supposed to be his longest trip yet, 10 days solo. He parks at the Blue Lake Trailhead near Cameron Peak. It's a little more than an hour and a half west of Fort Collins. Everything is going according to plan. And so I remember being like, yes, okay, my timing's good. And made it up pretty far, up Blue Lake Trail, maybe a mile or two before seeing anybody. And already to me that was, you know, again, what I was sort of seeking out there. And it's it's gorgeous up there. Um, you get above tree line, and there's some nice big flat kind of hills. Um, and the view down at the lake was incredible. At around 1 p.m. on the first day of this 10-day trip, the silence is broken by what McDonald says was the crack of a gunshot. He says he's far enough into the wilderness that he's sure it isn't a car backfiring. Then he sees smoke in the distance behind him. But at first I just thought, oh, there's a, somebody camping out there. They got their fire going. But I'm kind of hanging out and I'm watching it. And you can see distinctive kind of plumes, uh, you know, expanding. And I started thinking, man, that's a big fire. The Cameron Peak Fire would become the largest fire in Colorado's recorded history. Of course, at the time, he doesn't know that, so he keeps hiking north, away from where he thinks the fire started. But as he goes deeper into the wilderness, he sees some ominous signs. Every single morning I'd wake up and there would be herds of sheep and elk and deer that I would spook, and they would move on down the trail, and just so many birds you know, more than I'd seen all that season. And I couldn't help wonder, like, is all this wildlife also moving in the same direction that I am? Is it all getting spooked up this way? After a few days of hiking, he realizes he's stuck out there. Fortunately, he recently added a GPS to his bag, which has an SOS button. He pauses for a moment, though, like, am I really going to do this? But there's no choice. He pushes the button, the GPS lights up and beeps at him. In a matter of hours, he's airlifted to safety. 
It's a heck of a story. McDonald would go on to tell it to a local newspaper, to TV stations. He even called an investigative tip line to try to report what he had seen. The guy isn't exactly hard to find. But a year after the fire started, no one who's responsible for figuring out the cause of the fire, no one with an interest in stopping future fires has ever contacted him. No one has talked to this supposed eyewitness to try to piece together what happened. The Cameron Peak Fire, burning to the west of Fort Collins, has now burned nearly 200,000 acres. Colorado is no stranger to wildfires, but we've never had a year like this. You need to evacuate out of your area and come out immediately. And the cause of the Cameron Peak Fire remains unsolved, beyond the fact that it was started by a person, somehow. Our own investigation has found that's true of so many of the most destructive fires in Colorado's history. And McDonald's first-hand experience has him wondering, is anyone really trying to figure it out? I'm Ben Marcus, an investigative reporter, and this is a CPR News special. Across the U.S., about nine out of every ten wildfires are started by people. Cutting back that number would save lives, save homes, save taxpayer money, along with billions of dollars in insurance payouts and premiums. We now live in an era of climate change, forest mismanagement, and population growth. That's made massive wildfires common. But we found that in more than half of the large human-started wildfires in Colorado, There's no known cause, no arrests, leaving little ability to prevent the next big destructive fire from starting in the first place. We found that no other state in the West has a higher percentage of unsolved wildfires than Colorado, where the cause is listed as unknown or the data is missing. This all slowly set in for Colton McDonald in the months after his rescue from the woods. Initially, after the airlift, he's relieved to be safe. But then... I'm like, geez, like now the danger's over, but now like the new societal danger is there of like, well, what what repercussions does this have? You think surely there's going to be interrogations, some paperwork. He'll explain what he saw out in the woods. So when someone from the sheriff's office approaches him after the helicopter ride, it makes sense. At first... And we're chatting, and uh, he's like, do you have a Colorado State fishing license? Yeah, yeah. Do you you happen to have it on you? Oh, yeah. And I dig through my bag, and I get it. And he just writes the numbers down. I'm like, is that all you need? He's like, yeah. McDonald says they just wanted to see that he had paid the 25 cents into the state search and rescue fund. But I'm like, that is the best quarter I have ever spent in my life. I will get one of these forever. That is so worth it. But that's it. On this August day a year ago, all the authorities want to know is if McDonald has paid for his rescue. The experience makes him existential about it all. Because I started being invested in the wildfire phenomena. I mean, uh, tracking, you know, is this a growing phenomena as we experience our evolving climate? Is this, you know, predominantly human-oriented? You know, what's really going on here? And then also what's being done about it all. The disasters still haunt many Coloradans. 
East Troublesome, Waldo Canyon, Black Forest, Missionary Ridge almost 20 years ago. These fires combined cost seven lives, almost $2 billion in damages. They destroyed more than a thousand homes. Hundreds of millions of dollars spent fighting them. They're all unsolved. Deep in the Four Corners region of Colorado is Montezuma County. The sheriff there is a guy named Steve Nellen. He is serious about wildfire investigation because he's seen the damage that can be done. Because it puts lives in jeopardy, it does. For not only the firefighters, but what about the forest visitors? Uh, It's not just the damage to the resources that we have, it's lives are at stake. So uh, yeah, being responsible with fire is just the same as being responsible with a firearm. About a decade ago, the Weber fire burned 10,000 acres in his county. Working with the Federal Bureau of Land Management, Nellen's agency helped to figure out it was arson. A juvenile lit a pile of leaves on fire. And it's one of the rare times an arson was identified as the cause of a wildfire in Colorado. Nellen's success could be in part because he's unusual. He invests some of the small resources he has into wildfire investigations. He has one deputy with training, and he hopes to have another trained up soon. Most county sheriffs that we talk to have none. We just want answers just like everybody else. I do. I want to know how it started and why, and who's responsible for that. That's so very, very important. It really is. And especially if you have loss of life, Oh, yeah, that's a serious crime. And uh, there needs to be consequences and people held accountable for that. I showed him the data that Colorado leads the West in the number of unsolved fires. His eyes widened. Well, that's terrible to see that we have so many that they have not found uh, the origin or the cause. Many counties without investigators said that they would ask the state for help. But we found that Colorado's state-level resources are severely limited. There are only about six state wildfire investigators. Utah has double the number of state investigators, and they have agreements with locals to aid in investigations. Colorado can only help when asked. Utah pinpoints the ignition sources for a much higher percentage of their wildfires than any state in the West, according to our analysis. Imagine how useful that is. If it was a car crash, there would be an investigation, and over time, patterns would emerge. A car part is defective, or an intersection is poorly designed. Without that data, we'd never know what the root problem is. The same thing with fires. There are options for prevention, but too little information to figure out what they are. Sheriff Nellen says Colorado better catch up. Especially with... The drought seasons that we've had in Colorado over just the past seven years, okay, that is so very important to be able to do that. Everybody's resources are limited. However, you know, we should be able to prepare for it and be able to accomplish the mission. It's not as if Colorado officials haven't recognized the threat. The state has poured huge sums into suppression over the last 10 years fighting the fires with air tankers and helicopters. 
Research shows preventing fire starts in the first place can save huge amounts of taxpayer money. Humans can start wildfires in so many different ways. A car chain drags on the ground and sparks. A campfire isn't put out properly. Someone intentionally lights the woods on fire. Or a bullet sparks off a rock. Target shooting was banned in Arizona in one of their national forests after a rash of fires started by rifle rounds. Had the investigations been inconclusive, authorities wouldn't even know what to ban. It's not just about finding the people directly guilty for the fire. Nine one one, where's your emergency? When we come back, another fire breaks out with deadly consequences. This is a CPR News investigation special. This is a CPR News special. I'm Ben Marcus. Let's return to the fall of 2020. Colton McDonald was still trying to get his story to investigators of how he thinks he witnessed the start of the Cameron Peak fire when another fire broke out a county over. On October 14th, just after noon, this call came into the Grand County Sheriff Dispatch. Um, I was going to report a, uh, a fire in the forest. Okay, where at? It's north of Kremlin uh, in the National Forest. It took just a week for the East Troublesome Fire to explode. We have planned for the worst. This is the worst of the worst of the worst. Winds picked up and pushed the fire towards Grand Lake, a picturesque town on the shore of Colorado's largest natural lake. The sheriff ordered the evacuation of the whole town. This fire has moved more in the last two hours than it has the entire time. So we have no idea right now what's going to happen. It was a stunning overnight development. About 400 miles away near Salt Lake City, Glenn Hillman got a call. It was his parents. They lived just north of Grand Lake. His dad had always wanted to retire to the mountains. Now he was being consumed by them. And at that point, my parents were already hunkered down in their house. There was no way to get in or out at that point. And they called me on the phone and explained that the fire was over the entire fields. They said, as far as I could see, and the home up here on this hill is the Richmond home. They said, the Richmond's home's on fire. We think we're okay, but the fields are ablaze. And my dad said, and the barn's on fire. And this is the location of the barn, or was the location of the barn. Glenn recalls it today as he overlooks the sprawling family property, right on the edge of Rocky Mountain National Park. But completely consumed everything. And when I mean everything, the entire foundations had to be removed for the barn and the house. There was nothing left. It took everything. My dad was a gun collector. He must have had 20 rifles. We couldn't even find a single barrel because of the heat and how hot it had burned. The view of the surrounding mountains is still beautiful. But turn to the west, and there's blackened trees. A charred fireplace is all that remains of a neighbor's home. The Hillmans, Glenn's parents, both in their 80s, died of asphyxiation in the basement of the house before it was destroyed by the flames. Glenn somehow stays positive about it all, citing his faith and that someday they'll be together again. That, along with the fact that, you know, there's a lot of work to do to honor my parents, uh, has kept me from getting too depressed or getting too um, discouraged over the whole thing. And quite honestly, how many people have an opportunity to leave this world together with my mom and dad were married 68 years and would never, ever have wanted to leave one another behind. He says his parents were found in the basement arm in arm. A series of decisions led to their deaths. 
poorly managed forests were thick with trees. They dried out due to climate change. Then someone, we still don't know who, sparked the fire, whether by accident or arson. Thoroughly investigating a wildfire is not easy work. It can mean hiking to remote locations, crawling around on hands and knees to find matches or shell casings or pieces of a firework, and the evidence can get burned up or trampled by firefighters. But the fire that killed Glenn's parents was not just any fire. It cost more in insured losses than any fire in state history. If it can't be solved, what hope is there that any fire can? As we started to do basic reporting around the cause of East Troublesome, we found potentially serious missteps by authorities. Experts told us that these are rooted in long-standing problems, around the lack of experienced investigators and an overall sense of urgency. The result is some fires get only a cursory investigation. By the time the East Troublesome fire broke out last October, the U.S. Forest Service was down to its last available investigator in Colorado. It had been an unusually intense and long fire season. We were, we were doing the best we can and every fire got, got its attention, the proper attention to be investigated. Patrick Brown is the investigation supervisor for the Forest Service in Colorado. But the proper attention he describes apparently didn't include getting the dispatch tapes from the start of the East Troublesome fire or talking to the man who first called 911 to report it, the tape you heard earlier. Um, I was going to report a fire in the forest. That means in both of last year's mega fires near Rocky Mountain National Park, people who appear to be key witnesses weren't interviewed. Brown said that isn't necessarily because of a shortage of investigators. He said the information may not always be relevant, or there could be other ways for his investigators to get it. Well, they probably, as far as trying to get everything that was said, we will look at everything that, that's out there, find out who's the reporting party, and start following everything down. As far as a decision for the investigator to make, what is, in their opinion, is going to be helpful and what isn't, after a while you can get overloaded with so much information that you have to be a little more selective in that. But the explanation doesn't square with what other Forest Service employees, past and present, have said about the agency's approach. Like Andrew Prize. He's a special agent for the Forest Service in Colorado. And last year, in the aftermath of the historic fires, he told local TV station 9 News how the Forest Service pursues leads in a way that's, quote, systematic and thorough. You listen to eyewitness accounts, you listen to dispatch logs, you listen to the weather. The Forest Service wouldn't let us talk to investigators on Cameron Peak and East Troublesome, saying it would, quote, jeopardize the integrity of the investigations, which they said are still ongoing, officially. But a former Forest Service investigator named Lucas Wolf, who's not involved in these particular cases, says it's a best practice to talk to those who say they were on the scene. So yes, that is somebody I would want to talk to. You know, at the very least, you want to talk to somebody like this, and then you can make the determination as an investigator, well, uh, I think this guy's just full of crap, or 
hey, wow, you know, he's got some, man, that's, that's some really good information that I did not know about. The fact that there was only one person available to investigate East Troublesome speaks to what he says is a bigger problem, not just in Colorado. He says there simply are not enough investigators overall in the Forest Service, especially as fire seasons become longer and more intense, and the number of human-caused fires rises. There isn't enough training or mentoring. The result, as Wolf describes it, is that some investigations are superficial. Wolf says there's a term for this even. Windshield investigations. You know, you kind of pull up, look at it. If it's not super obvious, then, you know, I'll, I'll cut an incident report. You know, yeah, I looked at it. But and there's times where, you know, there's fires where investigators I know, nobody ever showed up. Wolf says mainly because there are so many fires. Colorado alone is averaging about 4,000 wildfires a year now. But to Sheriff Nellen, none of that is an excuse. His decades of investigative experience have taught him the first eyewitnesses should have been interviewed. If that happened here, I would be really embarrassed. Well, I couldn't, I wouldn't let it happen here. The time, the money, the expertise, it's all focused on putting out the wildfires. I've covered several of these fires as they're happening. All the TV cameras are there, us reporters with our notebooks talking to evacuees, hanging on every word of the first responders trying to keep the flames away from people's houses. And then it ends. Our team has been with you since the moment this fire got out of hand, and they're going to be with you until the moment it is under control. We walk away. We come back to celebrate the resilience of the survivors, but very few people stop to ask, could how this have started been prevented? That's what Colton McDonald has come to believe. Since he was rescued from the Cameron Peak fire, he's educated himself about how wildfires don't have to be the big mystery they are here in Colorado. And then you see stories coming out of like California and they have a, a huge record-breaking fire there and they track this down to a T immediately. And I did find it very strange that you have the largest fire in Colorado's history, very damaging to a lot of people's lives and still damaging. I mean, you still have mudslides and water quality impacts and, and all of this going on. And I'm, I was right there. And then to not have somebody be like, hey, so you were right there. What can you tell us? Uh, was, yeah, very strange. The Forest Service denied our request for a follow-up interview, but they did ask us to give them Colton McDonald's cell phone number so they could finally interview him. Two weeks later, he still hadn't heard from investigators. The story was reported by Veronica Penny and me, Ben Marcus. It's edited by Chuck Murphy and Rachel Estabrook, with additional reporting by Sam Brash. Pedro Lumbrano did the mixing and sound design, with an assist from Luis Antonio Perez. It was overseen by Kevin Dale. You can go even further in-depth on this story with photos and graphs at CPR.org. Thanks for listening to Colorado In-Depth. Please subscribe to the show so more of our deepest reporting on life and trends in Colorado lands in your podcast feed. See you next time.